0: We love you. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. You all, we have come to the point where we are still in the book of Judges. I know you're like, I'm so tired of Judges is awesome. Judges, any any witnesses in the house? (laughs) Judges, hey, I'm a witness for myself. Judges is awesome. Uh, But we're still in Judges, and we have our last guest preacher for uh, this series for the academic year. Uh, She is a Boston Red Sox fan. Um, (laughs) Amen. And she uh, was a social worker for a number of years. She has three master's degrees, one of which is in social work. Shout out to my social work people in the back. Um, and she just finished her Ph.D. Uh, at the London School of Theology. Uh, she's been an instructor in Old Testament and Biblical Hebrew at Gordon-Comwell uh, Theological Seminary in Boston uh, for a number of years now, and she is going to preach from God's Word. Would you give it up for Dr. Coniquia Day? I probably
1: <laughs> bless the Lord. God is a good God. Amen. It's so good to be here and to fellowship with you all. I do have something to share, so I'll get right to it. I'm going to read the scripture and then uh, give you what I believe the Lord has. My title is It's Not My Problem. Hmm. Judges 19. While they were enjoying themselves, the men of the city, a perverse lot, surrounded the house and started pounding on the door. They said to the old man, the master of the house, bring out the man who came into your house so that we may have intercourse with him. And the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, no, my brothers, do not act so wickedly since this man is my guest. Do not do this vile thing. Here are my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let them bring them out now. Ravish them and do whatever you want to them. But against this man, do not do such a vile thing. But the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and put her on, put her out to them. They wantonly raped her and abused her all through the night until the morning. And as dawn began to break, they let her go. As morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door at the man's house where her master was until it was light. And I'll stop right there and fill in the gap as I go. This passage is by far one of the most violent passages in the Bible. Each year I teach this passage and we talk about sex trafficking, but we won't do that here. What I want to talk to you about is how something so violent dealing with a Levite, an old man in a territory of Benjamin where people should feel safe and calm and peaceful, how something so violent and vile relates to us. You may say, this does not even speak to me. This is such a horrible text. Why is it even in the scripture? Well, everything that's in the scripture is for our edification, our learning, and is a warning to us. We would not know which way to go if we did not have the scriptures. Amen? So what do we learn about this text, this violent passage? And how is it even close to what is going on in our lives? You may say, I'm in college. I have tuition. That's my concern. Each year someone has tuition issues. One of my students, he would come to class and he looked so poor every time I saw him. And he just looked disheveled. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to give this kid some money. He might, I think he needs some help with tuition. And he never would take the final exam and he would always fail the class. He did well in in the class, but he failed the class because he never took the final exam. And then someone said to me, do you know who you have in your class? I said, no. They said, he invented the Kindle. He's just taking your class for fun. He's 30-some-odd years old. He's a multimillionaire. He owns lots of patents. He's retired. He's just hanging out. My pastor said, invite him to church. So in college, your concerns may not be something like this. It may be totally different. But I'm here to say to you that this passage does means something to us, because it means something to God. When we look at the scriptures, we can see over and over again how God cares for the poor, the neglected, those who are abused, and those who are not cared for. In Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 through 21, God speaks to Hagar and encourages her and provides promises to Ishmael, who's not a part of the covenant. Hagar got caught up in that mess with Abraham and Sarah because they refused what to trust God. In Second Samuel chapter eleven verse twenty-seven, David forces Bathsheba to have sex with him. You say force? Well, who can refuse the king? The king says, "Come, you must come." She gets pregnant. He makes sure her husband is killed, and then her baby dies. And one year, her whole life changed. And the scripture says in verse 11, chapter 11, verse 27, that the matter disturbed God. When people are taken advantage of and hurt and felt to be as if they are nothing, it matters to God. Therefore, when we look at the passage in Judges 19, we should be concerned about it. We should have some heart concerning it because it bothers God. And since it bothers God, it should bother us. But what happens a lot of times is the things that bother God aren't bothering us. The calamities that are going on in the world aren't troubling us as it used to. We want to get involved, but we really don't want to get involved, I heard someone say. We want to preach the good news, but only when someone will say amen to the good news you preach. But how about when you say something they don't want to hear? How about you say that we are all responsible for one another? Amen? The problem is that we have to be more concerned about the things that concern God. When is the last time you asked God, God, what are you concerned about? So many of our prayers are very self-centered and are focused only on us, us, and some more of us. My son, when he prays, he oftentimes prays, I told someone about school. He prays that the school year would be shorter. He prays that the school day would start later. And he prays that school would just be canceled altogether. Yes, Professor Day's son prays prayers that there'll be no school. So the Bible confirms that God cares about the poor, the widow, the helpless, the one that's been abused. So when we come to the book of Judges in Judges 19, we see the Levite not acting very Levitical. We see him not really caring for the things that he should be caring for. Judges 19 tells us everything we ought not to do when we say we care about someone. The Levite, he finds himself surrounded in the home of the old man. And the people are banging on the door and they want to have sex with him. And instead of crying out, no, this is not going to happen, the Levite shoves the woman out the door. He could have done something, but he didn't consider it his problem. If we look at Samson, he even when he was in a, a situation where his eyes were plucked out and he was being defeated, he prays for the Lord to give him just a little bit more strength that he can fight. Just a little bit more power that he can endure. Lord, help me. The Levite could have cried out as the people in Judges had cried out many a times and said, Send help. I'm crying to you for help, Lord. Help me. But he doesn't cry out to the Lord for help. He doesn't petition the Lord for any rescue. He doesn't say no to the men. Instead, he's concerned about himself and preserving his own life. And that's how we get sometimes when we see other things going on. Sometimes we get concerned about our own life that we don't want to stand in the gap for anybody. But Jesus Christ calls us to stand in the gap. When nobody else is moving, he calls us as Christians to stand in the gap. And I know I'm preaching. And if I was at my school, I would say, get my offering. One day they did. They passed the bucket around. I think they got like 30-something dollars. I had Chinese food. I said, bless the Lord. Amen. He could have asked the Lord for help. He could have asked the Lord for a different outcome. There's never a situation that you're in that's so dire that you cannot cry out to the Lord, help me, Lord. Give me strength, Lord. Get me through this situation. But it's not his problem. He's not concerned about her. The old man, he makes a mistake too. What's his mistake? He decides to compromise. He says, you know what? Don't do this vile thing to the man. Just do the vile thing to the concubine and to my virgin daughter. When I think about it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's still a vile thing. Don't rape him, but rape them. So he compromises with evil. And sometimes what happens in our life is that we find ourselves compromising rather than dealing with the problems. Because we don't wanna deal with the headache, so we compromise. We say, well, I'll give in in this area, maybe they won't bother me in that area. But when you live for God, you cannot compromise His word. It has to be, for God I live and for God I die. It has to be, I am on the Lord's side and I won't be moved. Some of us, are in between compromising with the enemy. The old man tried to compromise with the problem instead of dealing with the problem. Hate is hate. Evil is evil, no matter who it's happening to. If you hate someone that's black, that's evil. If you hate someone that's white, that's evil. If you hate someone that's transgender, homosexual, has personality disorders, all sorts of issues, that's still evil. In God's word, all lives matters. It's not black lives matters, blue lives matters, all lives matters. That's what John 3:16 3, 6, 3, is all about. And if you can't stand up for all lives, then I don't know what kind of Christian walk you're walking. I don't know. And God commands us to stand when there's someone that is suffering. It can't be in our confession that it's not my problem. Just because you don't know a situation like that, just because you've never been in a situation like that, you never know when that situation will come about. And the world needs to know that the Christians have an answer. When we compromise, we say the problem is too big for our God. We say there's no answer. Martin Niemeyerler, you may know the confession, when he recognized the atrocities of Hitler, he decided he had to say something about this. The quote was, first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. But then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. No matter what the situation, we cannot compromise with evil. We must stand in the gap and do us right. So the Levite and the old man are examples of what not to do. The passage concludes with an ultimate failure. The Levite cuts up his concubine, distributes her body. He does not even give her a proper burial. Burial rites, grieving time, moment to consider that a life was lost. Just because it happens to someone, you know, I tell my students this all the time. When we look at the book of Exodus and the Egyptians firstborn are are killed. And I said, you know, sometimes we have to take a moment and consider the loss of life. That even though it was the Egyptians firstborn that are killed, there's, that's still a loss of life. Even if it's your enemy that is killed, it's still a loss of life. We are created in the image of God. It matters to God how we feel about people and how we treat people. It can't just be me, and it's not my problem. My father, he's passed away, but he was Muslim. He was Muslim all my life. And when the atrocities happen against the Muslims, I am always mindful of how many Christians don't say, oh, this is a bad thing. I always see on Facebook, no one really says, oh, this is really awful, this is bad, this is, this is evil. But if a Christian, then we, oh, this is terrible, we gotta pray, we gotta come together, saints. It's a loss of life, and God commands us to be the Christian, to be his example, no matter who it is. So the Levite and the old man tell us what not to do. So what can we learn about this horrible passage that I'm glad is in the Bible to warn us and remind us of what not to do? We can learn some things. Here are a few lessons. One We can learn that when we are left to our own desires, evil will persist. When we are left to do things how we want to do it, and no one's seeking God, evil will persist. We can't trust in this flesh, no matter who it is. We must seek God. In the Judges 19 passage, no one turned to God. No one cried out to God. Another lesson we can learn is that we need God in order to understand how to care for people. All the social work learning I did, and I thank God for my MSW, amen. Nothing can teach me how to care for the people like God can teach me how to care for the people. Because sometimes you need to be a little bit tough, and sometimes you need to be a little bit soft but only the Lord can teach you that. In Judges 19, they needed God to reveal to them how to care because it was not there. Number three, those who are devoted to God, like the Levites, sometimes don't walk like they should. Sometimes don't walk in the way that a Levite should. So what do you say, Professor Day, what's that all about? Well, sometimes we trust in the title of a person rather than their walk with God. You can't trust in the title of a person. You have to watch their walk. Watch when they speak. Watch and listen for when they don't speak. I'm always mindful when people speak. I'm always watching. I know I, I'm a professor. I know when people are sleeping and they're not sleeping. And I know when they're sleeping and they are sleeping. You know, they have that look, they, they close their eyes. Or they nod occasionally, like they're really listening. They're really not listening. That's just that the, I'm really tired, but I'm trying to fool the professor to prove that I'm really with you. And they're not with me. But we have to be mindful of what goes on in our world. That these are the times that God is calling us to be more devoted to other people. We cannot care for the poor without God's help. We have to be sensitive to what's going on around us. Amen? So those who are devoted to God don't always walk with God as they say they are. You have to watch the walk. And in all things, follow Christ. The Levite and the old man, they had a problem, but they didn't want to recognize it as a problem, as their problem. They wanted to push it on someone else. What problems do you have in your life or that you know of that you're trying to push on someone else? What things are you trying to avoid in your life that you need to say, you know what? I need to own this. I need to be my brother's keeper. It's not just about me and my way, but how can I help someone else? And I'm almost done. When Jesus Christ came, he came to be the sacrifice Jesus Christ is the one that took on all the sins of the world. He took on all our problems. He got in there with us. The Bible tells us that we are to grieve with those who grieve, fellowship with those who fellowship, rejoice with those who rejoice. We have to be concerned about the one that is the metaphorical concubine in our community. Jesus Christ came to set us free, but not just you, but you and your neighbor, the concubine, the poor, the afflicted, the ones who are rejected. You may have said, when you looked at Judges 19, it's not my problem. I can't even relate to this. Again, I would encourage you to look at it a different way. If it concerns God, it concerns you and me. Because the last time I checked were Christians, And we want to walk in the image of God. God bless you.